0: Okay, City limits Nimitz on air and uh, it's, um, it's I can't think what day it is, it's the fifth Wednesday of the month actually because it's the 31st of May, March, isn't it? We we're, were officially a third of the way through the year if you think about it, a Whoa. quarter of, a quarter of the way through the year if you think about it, oh, no. I just didn't think about it obviously. Oh, no. um, and uh, we're, today we're going to have, we're going to talk about a number of things, let's say who we are, we've got Zeb Peak here, we've got Meg Kimber here, we've got Kevin Healy here, that's me. Um, and uh, oh, listen, Tib I must congratulate you. Last week, you did a wonderful job with the sound of the pouring tea. Which <laughs> oh, thank is, you. Which is one of the, uh, <laughs> the important things on this. I'll just pour. A I try my here. best. Meg's already knocked back tea today. By the way, she, I
2: drank you know, a lot of tea this morning.
0: So um, I, I, I personally feel quite rejected by this, but I'll, I'll get over well, it. I suppose. Um, but today we are going to have a celebration, something rare on this program, but we're going to talk about, of course, the victory yesterday with the um, Minister Richard Wynne announcing that he's knocked back the proposal to put that floating natural gas terminal at Crib Point in Westernport. and Western Port. And the breakfast show covered it this morning as well. It's all over the paper this morning, but we're going to cover it as well. We're going to talk to uh, Julia Stockard, who we've talked to a few times on this issue over the, over yeah. the journey. and. Uh, journey, well, they've got this far, and uh, unless there's an appeal, of course, which I guess there could be, but they're, they're home and host. Just yeah. on that, though, because we don't want to have total total exhilaration on this program, um, <laughs> the other side of that is that about a year ago or more, you might remember, I don't know, if, Meek, if you were on the program or not, we interviewed a woman called Sue Motherwell from Sandringham about a developer being knocked back by VCAT for an overdevelopment, and there was mm. a huge local opposition to it, and they raised lots of money to fight the case. Mm. Um, sadly, about a week ago, um, on appeal, VCAT has now given them the the permit. So um, oh, yeah. that community celebration's gone a bit sour, and uh, it's typical, of course, but mm. unfortunate. Yeah,
2: I do remember that show, and I have been on, on City Limits for about four years now. I know you. Yeah, might that's
0: not right. Whether you're on that day or not, that's the point. One year, it? four
1: years,
3: Honestly, an old matter. place, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple of a few items before we get on to that. We only go to that about nine thirty or so. I'm going to play a a song in the meantime as well. Um, There's a photo in the paper uh, this week, but it's uh, uh, of um, Jane Hurdiker, who's the uh, head of uh, these days. She took over as head of um, Virgin Airlines when Mm -hmm. it was taken when it was taken over. Against promises that she wouldn't be, because she's got a reputation of just sacking people and all that sort of thing. Um, and Alan Joyce, of course, from Qantas, who's the only Irish accent that makes me feel annoyed. Uh, <laughs> and they—they're both here, and they're with—they're with, they're with um, Scott Morrison, Josh Frydenberg, Michael McCormick. That from the National Party, all laughing and smiling. I'll show you people. All laughing and smiling at each other. They're such close mates Mm -hmm. as the government's about to give them even more of the public money. And I thought, you'll never see a photo of a smiling Freudenberg and and and, and Morrison and, and Mac and McCormick with a group of workers or union officials, would you laughing and smiling about what they're about to give um, them?
2: Hasn't Scott Morrison been seen in a hard hat? I'm pretty <laughs> sure I've clocked that at some stage.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: that makes him one of the people, right?
0: <laughs> and he even grabs a hammer and puts a nowhere or something. <laughs> yeah. right. yeah, right.
2: definitely seen him in a high vis vest. So, oh I well, don't know, Kevin, I, I take that back. Okay, yeah. you
0: you proved me wrong. Uh, <laughs> he loves workers. <laughs> Now this one I found fascinating as well. This was a house ad in the Herald Sun on Monday. Effectively, this is our, our two Herald Sun kicks offs today. Mm. Um, Sky News Australia, which of course is part of the Mur- Murdoch Empire, uh, has bolstered its news news presence in one of the nation's key media markets by creating a new and expanded bureau in Melbourne. The bureau's in their their um, office in 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 Southbank, the the Murdoch Empire office in Southbank. And they say um, the head of um, Australia's Sky News, Australia's chief executive Paul Whittaker, said the investment in quality journalism would ensure the delivery of even richer content for viewers. And I looked at their their so-called quality journalism and the people they name. Uh, Andrew Bolt Peter hmm. Credlin and Rita Panahai and a bloke called Nicholas Rees I don't really know but nonetheless I thought well which of that lot are the quality journalism bit well, where is the quality journalism bit Aww.
2: Yeah. I'll take that as a rhetorical question. Yeah. Right.
0: right. At least I wasn't put down on that one anyway, (laughs) unlike Scott Morrison's love of the working class. I can't think
2: of anything to say (laughs) about that,
0: yeah. But this one also, this was in yesterday's paper. It was page 13. It was the big story on the page, a big, you know, about a third of a page picture with a bloke looking at us through sort of Easter eggs and Easter bunnies and things, and chocolate lovers will be will be um, will be able to get their Easter fix at, and they mention the place this year. We'll, we'll mention it. It's Crown because he wants to go to Crown anyway. But then it's all about this bloke making chocolate, and he says it's it's handcrafted, and we have a very good chocolate from France. That that could mean anything, of course. <laughs> He said there were still a few spots left to enjoy high tea at the – we still have a few bookings left for Saturday, Sunday and Easter Monday. It's very popular for high tea. Well, if it's very popular, why has he not got bookings? But anyway, (laughs) um, which bit of that story do you feel was real news? Oh, definitely.
2: Real hard-hitting news. The The French angle. <laughs> that was that <laughs> yeah. was pretty right cosmopolitan like, you, yeah, feel, you know I don't know be? I mean they have probably mm-hmm. got correspondents on the ground in Paris mm-hmm. that they're liaising with
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> Radio Radio did I have anything you wanted to raise by the way cuz I having gone here
1: Uh I did see that um, Malcolm Turnbull has a new position he's been appointed uh, let me see what the in
0: uh, the Hunter Valley
1: Yeah uh he's been named head of New South Wales government's climate advisory board um which the Labor government doesn't sound too happy about, um, but yeah, that's his that's his new position mm-hmm. after after losing his prime ministership a yeah, while back. Right.
0: This is this is the new concern. Well, he always claims to be concerned, but he did absolutely nothing about it when mm. he was there. he's he, yeah. he suddenly become much more radical and uh, and assertive since he stopped being prime minister on those issues. So
2: he's employed by the New South Wales government, is he? Is that right?
1: Um, let me see. So. Yeah. Yeah, he's been appointed to head a new board to advise the New South Wales government's long-term climate policy um, and to sort of find a way to net zero emissions by 2050.
0: Yeah, he was on uh, Radio National earlier this morning being interviewed about um, the coal, the number of coal mines. There's a massive number of coal mines that would, in fact, um, uh, make what's happening in Queensland look very ordinary with uh, the, you know, up there. Um and uh they're all applications, and he's he's against them, but he was speaking about that, but it also happens that he happens to have a grazing property in the area <laughs> which is affected, but that didn't that that's not a that's not a problem oh, um interesting. but uh but yeah he's but he's he's now this new warrior for the for the climate issue mm-hmm. So is Andrew Forrest, of course. Andrew, as we know, oh um, Twiggy, twi- Twitty, yeah, Twitty. He um or oh, Twitty, twitty Tw- Twiggy. Twiggy, right. I, keep I think, like Twitty for some reason, <laughs> like um, the model,
1: but no.
0: That's right. That's <laughs> right. Yes, Twiggy. Uh, anyway, he, he um he always claims to have great concern, and in fact he is. He's building um a lot of uh, battery and a lot of solar stuff. He's also building a. He is also already building, as was knocked back yesterday for Western Port. He's also at Port Kembla already building a gas import um, facility, which he claims will be able to provide gas for hell of a lot of, of eastern Australia or, you know, southeastern Australia in the next few years. But on the other side of that, of course, is he is a miner and he does uh, tend to do some rather nasty things. We mentioned the other week that they'd, um, he's now being investigated by the Western Australian Government for... Um, at a place called Weeramurra Creek where they they moved in and, um, and disturbed some sacred sites when they were supposed to have elders with them, but they didn't, and they said it was due to a, a an error, a transmission error, I think they called it at the time. Mm. Um, but he's also now... Um, He's, he's run into trouble. His plans to, to build a series of agricultural weirs on Western Australia's Ashburton River face growing opposition from Indigenous groups, including those of importance in Forest Iron or Mining Company Fortescue. Uh, his private company, Tatarang, challenged the Western Australian government in a tribunal last week over its decision to deny approval for the weirs under Section 18 of the state's um, um, Aboriginal Heritage Act. And that act, of course, we recall... Is what um, Rio Tinto used because it's one where they can appeal if, if they're knocked back, and it, mm. and it, it you know, it, it's very much anti-indigenous people. And in fact, at the moment, that's being that's being um, that's being changed by the Western Australian government, uh, but it hasn't gone through yet. So uh, he's jumping in, I guess, before. The, the law is changed. But under section 18 of the Act, the relevant minister can approve unavoidable disturbance or destruction of a registered Aboriginal heritage site, and the clauses become controversial. We know we just mentioned that. The Ashburton River Weirs were opposed by the Thalanyi people, whose traditional lands stretch for about 200 kilometres south of Onslow onto an area that is not a major iron ore mining province. But opposition to the Weirs has spread to other Indigenous groups in the region, including those whose lands house some of Fortescue's iron or assets. The Putu, Kunti, Karama and, um, and Pinakura people, they're the ones of course affected by the gorge one, mm-hmm. um, said they were strongly opposed to the weirs and Tatarang's tribunal appeal should be rejected. Some of the creeks on the land are tributaries of the Ashburton River and the um, PKKP described the Thlany as our family. The PKKP Aboriginal Corporation supports our family, the Thalanial people, in their opposition to the construction of the weirs and the resulting impediment of the uh, natural water flow through to the ocean. The creation of the river by the Walu, and the Walu is snake in their um, in their language, means that it must be free to flow and the fish and eels can travel along it. The creation stories must not be broken and the water flow must not be blocked or the spirit of the Walu will affect all people along this river. And it, and it goes on. Um... But then um, Tatarang said, our strong desire is to work in a cooperative manner with the Thalanyi people, the traditional custodians of the land, to preserve heritage at Minduru Station and the natural landscape while developing sustainable agriculture in a challenging environment currently experiencing mm. prolonged drought conditions. Now, the only mention they make of environment is the economic environment. Mm. Um, they don't mention the rest of the environment that's going to be knocked out knocked out by it. Um, and. Um, it goes on to say the PKK were annoyed in, in September after he did that. Well, I mentioned that when they did that without the elders being present. So that's um, that's Twitty, Twitty's latest contribution to the environment, folks.
1: Yeah, OK. Yeah, it's interesting, um, those appeals and things. Like, I don't know too much about the ins and outs of them, but it does seem to be that in a lot of cases, the bureaucracy that is supposedly set up to um protect first- first nations land rights ends up legitimizing the destruction of it um because like once it 's appealed it 's like oh well then
2: <laughs> it's we've we have we have gone through the process yeah so that's fine, yeah yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we know that the legal system generally, of course, is a capitalist legal system. So you're, you're, battling, you're battling from the start, yeah. <laughs> be it, be mm. it um, in criminal law, be it in planning law, be it in industrial law. You take, we'll get round to industrial law shortly because there's been a big breakthrough there in the last week or so, mm. you might have noticed. Um, anyway, uh, one of the better, thing, better solutions to the, the floods last week, uh, a bloke called Thomas Hubble, who's an associate professor at uh, Sydney, he says, now this, this, is where, this is a situation where climate change has really taken on. He says everyone living in those areas should have a boat on the roof.
3: That's the answer.
0: <laughs> a boat on the roof, he wants. and he, He's probably right. But he said um, emergency services have been well prepared for the floods along the Hawkesbury, but residents should keep small boats on their roofs in case the state emergency service could not rescue them in future floods. And he's talking about suburban Sydney when he says this. Um, He said some Australians had been falsely lulled into believing that global warming meant floods would not occur or would occur much less frequently. Um, Live on floodplain, own a boat, he said. It hasn't helped that some experts should know better than to fly the... um, to, to say the dam will never fill again, trying to pin everything on anthropogenic climate change, which has given the whole community the idea that it will never rain, doesn't help. If anything, we will get more extreme weather conditions, which is true, of course. And uh, but, who you thinks know, that
2: because of climate change it's not going to rain anymore? That's right. So you, that's you, not you, nobody thinks that, surely. So
0: we reach the stage now where you have to put a, a boat right on, on your, your roof.
2: roof. That's uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. That yeah. sounds great. Yeah, that was that yeah. was a confusing article.
2: I wonder if that person owns shares in like a boat building, like a dinghy. I don't know. I think he's perhaps. just saying <laughs> that's a solution. I
0: like think he's saying it's going to keep running. are going to keep living there. You need a boat because might, it might come over your roof and you won't be able to get away. Yeah. So okay. that, I think that's his reasoning.
2: Well, that's definitely not a Band-Aid solution. <laughs> now, we've also, <laughs> we've also
0: this week had some, um, some moving of the deck chairs around the... Um, Around, around the Titanic government. And uh, and women, of course, now have... Isn't it strange? Suddenly there's all these women coming into Cabinet. I couldn't, yeah. Yes, very strange indeed. Yep. And some, some, great real, yeah. some great people he's among them too. Ch- great oh, He's a father
2: he's of women. And he's got a widowed mother. He's a father of daughter. Yes,
0: And he's got a widowed mum. Poor man. Yes, that's interesting. Um, well, I... Um, in in, in in that moving around, of course, we note that defence went to our old mate Constable Peter Dutton. Um, mm. one of the great minds of this country. One, and of, one
2: of my friends was saying it's like um Snape in Harry Potter, how he always wanted to do the defense of the house oh, wow. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> and he just kept trying and trying <laughs> and trying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and he, Snape looked a lot better. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it <laughs> <laughs> worked out really well for Snape, so uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Anyway, well, I raise this because we've got a um, we, we've got a fri- we've got these frigates being built, and um, I think I can't think how many we've got a, a lot of them on order anyway, and they um, the total bill for those is forty five billion dollars, but it's running into some trouble because of various things to do with the contract and the size of the boats and and all that.
2: Just to clarify, these are not the boats for people to put on their roofs for catastrophic climate change. You could if you wanted to. This is a different kind of You're going to pay a
0: fair bit to save your roof in this one (laughs) or save yourself. 45. But the total bill is 140 for naval shipbuilding because it includes those submarines that we're having trouble with as well. (sighs) Um, so, all around, I mean, thing's in a bit of a mess, but I mean, and there's talk about how you can get around that, but I would have thought $140 billion on naval shipbuilding, oh, and I, in my opinion, we don't need any of them. We mm. don't need one frigate or one submarine. Imagine some of the things we talk about in this program, um, mm. public housing, mm-hmm. transport, mm-hmm. Uh, public transport. Um hospitals, schools, all those areas, even welfare for those who haven't got a job. Mm. Um hundred and forty billion to go a fair way, I would have thought.
2: I imagine um, it would, yeah.
0: Of our public money.
2: Yep. And that's just going on. Ju- that's just the boats. That's yeah. That's just the boats, mm. yeah. 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 They could the at boats.
1: least Instead, make smaller boats to go on people's roofs. They're going
2: to spend money on boats. Think about who really needs the boats. Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: They could spend a hell of a lot less and give everyone in Sydney suburbs or out outer suburbs where it, where it floods a boat to put on their roof, exactly. and that'd be yes. that'd save trillions. Yes. And Anyway and I'm sure there's they might argue that there's there's jobs because a, a part of the contract is that a lot of the work has to be done in australia uh. but nonetheless um those i'm sure you for that money you could also have mm. jobs building houses or building mm-hmm. trains and trams mm. and buses and uh, yeah the all jobs sorts thing of, is such a fur yeah, schools mm. uh, yeah
2: is it, when you when there's always like well this is about jobs mm. and growth and and then you look at it and there's about 50 jobs for, like, a year. Yeah. And then you're
3: like, oh,
2: how is this about
0: jobs? Yeah. 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 And we're reminded, by the way, that uh, one of the people who got promoted, a woman called Price, um, Melissa Price, she's the Defence Industry Minister, so she is working with Dutton in in hand with all this. But she was demoted um, from Environment Minister um, two years ago because she wasn't handling it too well now. Um, not handling it too well with this government, but you're not doing enough damage to the environment. But Maybe, nonetheless, yeah. she's got the money. But Anyway, she's been promoted again, so that's good news, isn't it? Yeah. But here's the good news so i mentioned, going to mention. This is so exciting. For the, for, the, for the industrial relations area, I think most people last week caught up with this one, but they've just appointed a new commissioner to the Fair Work Commission,
3: Sophie story.
0: Mirabella, oh. ah, one of one of the great names of Australian politics. Um, S- Sophie, who got knocked off in a seat of Indi, I think mean, three elections ago by an independent woman, and then
2: Zali Stegall um, No, it?
0: no, she was knocked off by. Um, well, Helen Haynes is one. Was she the current one or the previous one? Anyway, there's, there was an independent woman held held it for two terms, I think, and then the current one came in and also won as an independent. And the first of those re-elections. Um, Sophie tried to win again uh, She is married to a senior or I don't know if he's retired now or not But a very senior military bloke So I imagine that their breakfast conversation Would be full of empathy for the working people And those in need uh, Anyway, Sophie's been appointed to the bench Which is terrific stuff Because she uh, she was one of the great supporters Of Work Choices when it was in oh. um, And um. So, but the other thing, the other interesting aspect of this is, and by the way, it's a 13 year appointment and the salary is up to 460 grand a year. Um, she mm-hmm. has been given some other government sinecure in the meantime since she lost the seat, but now she's got a, a position on the Fair Work bench. Mm-hmm. And I suppose having to make difficult choices between the worker's side and the boss's side. Mm-hmm or even the, these are people who say there's no such thing as class struggle, but they have to make that sort of choice, would be called Sophie's choice, I suppose. But, oh, you know, that no. was a very bad joke. But oh, the um, but Ten more minutes and then we no, yes. <laughs> But there's no very bad joke in Sophie being on this bench because since Abbott won government, as far as I can make out, there are now 17 people appointed by Labor governments from the Rudd-Gillard years on the commission Of 39 commissioners, there's 22 others, and all the rest are from the boss's side, all appointed by this government. So, if they talk about quotas, obviously quotas work well when it comes to industrial relations, Mm. because what you, you quota to put people from the work from the boss's side, every appointment. To the fair work bench, mm. making it even, well, we talked already about capitalist law, but it makes even capitalist law mm. much more difficult to navigate
3: mm. when
0: you've got all those people, and particularly a Sophie Mirabella, who um, I can't imagine her finding too many cases for unions and workers.
2: And you really see the effect as well. I mean, the last 10 years have been particularly damaging for the um, strength of unions in all workplaces, maybe apart from some, like maybe you know s- certain industries might be okay but at most of them i think you know you to just see the unions really struggling because so much of what used to give power to unions like collective action is just basically become illegal mm-hmm. um whereas it used to mm. be the driving force of how you would get change in, within a workplace and um uh oh, my microphone's not working. Sorry. There yeah, we go. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah so, as, yeah. And I think, you know, you might look at stuff like that and you just sort of don't see like all the things that are happening behind the scenes with this, something like the Fair Work Commission and stuff, where, mm. um, you know, it, things go there and then they become stuff that's not allowed to happen, and then unions increasingly have no power, and then people are increasingly like, why, am I, why would I spend my money to be in a yeah. union? Yes, right. And then they lose um, membership. and yeah, yeah, it's a vicious
1: cycle. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, unions work with a hand tied behind their back. I mean, if you think At about the moment, it, even though yeah. we all praise the Green Bands and Jack Mundy and the Builders' Labourers in yeah. Sydney, and, and mm-hmm. a number of them here as well, in fact, of the BLs in Melbourne. Those, if they did that now, they'd go under the secondary boycott provisions um, and mm. be and be fined millions for doing that. Um, yeah, and uh, making it even much more difficult for groups like um, like the say Westernport group. if so they said to the unions, "Look, we don't want you. You know, can you help us? Mm. If the unions helped them, they'd be they'd be yeah. they'd hit the law. They'd hit. They'd run up against the brick wall of that secondary boycott law. Now it's up. You know, I think unions ought to take on these laws at some point because. You know, it's just getting out of, oh, it's got out of hand years ago. Then the '96 the Wreath legislation followed by Work Choices, mm. and while government, while Rudd and Co. said they'd tear up Work Choices, they tore up about three pages out of about three thousand. Yeah. And so unions are still working with their hands tied behind their backs.
1: Yeah. Well, John Howard yeah. must really be He's just patting it. himself on the back. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. Anyway, that's that. But. Uh, Anyway, Sophie's on the bench now, so that'll make things a lot better for workers. Surely, yeah. uh, there's a mob called. This what I just want to mention there's a mob called Freedom Foods Group. I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, but they they ran into an accounting problem and found there were accounting irregularities, and the thing wasn't nearly as as fluid and good as they thought it was. Um, shares have fallen 82.4 um, percent since um, since June last year. Um, the market capitalisation has sunk to about 146 million from 834 million, and um, I, I raise this because the the biggest loss is for the Perich family, unfortunately, who the big company they, they actually are the you know virtually run the company. The Perich family, um, they their their value in the company dropped to a mere 75 million. Poor things. 75 million from 428 million in a few short hours this week when the, the thing crashed. Now, I raise that because the Perridge family, of course, is the family that got the 30 million for that land thing for the Sydney airport of the federal government and then okay. leased it back on a value of under a million. Um, so, thank God they did a good deal on the land deal because they'd be in real trouble, wouldn't they?
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> what gotta, happened with that land deal? That's so... No, it's still there. It was under it's, investigation,
0: it's, it's, right? It's, it's still there. Again, yeah, why we there. need some no, anti-corruption. They've got their 30 million the kick and that's it. Mm.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, now, the other one, we're going, we're going to Julia very shortly, but... We
2: will if we're going We will have to go quite shortly if we're going to play a song. Well, oh, that's too. right, we are. Yeah. Let, look,
0: I won't go to the next item then We will play a song. Um, I'll give you this and... Uh,
2: Well, I'll put on a little community announcement and then we'll go to the song, unless you want to forward
0: announce it. Right yeah. Okay. Yeah, I want to forward announce this.
2: Okay.
4: Like everyone, people who are LGBTIQ+, can experience
5: suicidal thoughts. Living Works deliver workshops that give you the knowledge to help others in the
4: LGBTIQ+, community. Thanks to Northwestern Melbourne Primary Health Network, from now until the end of May, Living Works is offering workshops for the LGBTIQ
5: plus community completely for free. Visit livingworks.com.au to learn how you can help save a life. Northwestern Melbourne Primary Health Network is a 3CR supporter.
4: There are many ways that you can keep up to date with 3CR news, events and programs. With Facebook stripping content... It's a timely reminder to focus on the communication channels and platforms that the community controls. The 3CR website is a great spot to catch all your shows via audio on demand or scroll through our range of podcasts. It's also where you can sign up to our monthly newsletter, buy yourself a new T-shirt or check out archival audio from past broadcasts. Of course, we're also on Twitter at 3CR and Instagram at 3CR Melbourne. But don't forget our mighty AM band. Catch us anytime on 855 AM. Keep in touch. 3cr.org.au
6: Heaven, I'm in heaven And my heart beats so that I can hardly speak And I seem to find the happiness I seek When we're out together dancing cheek
3: to cheek
6: Heaven, I'm in heaven And the cares that hung around me through the week Seem to vanish like a gambler's lucky streak dance with me, I want my arm about you, the charm about you, will carry me through to heaven, I'm in heaven, and my heart beats so that I can hardly see, and I seem to find the happiness I seek. When we're out
3: together dancing cheek to cheek
4: There are many ways that you can keep up to date with 3CR news, events and programs. With Facebook stripping content, it's a timely reminder to focus on the communication channels and platforms that the community controls. The 3CR website is a great spot to catch all your shows via audio on demand or scroll through our range of podcasts. It's also where you can sign up to our monthly newsletter, buy yourself a new t-shirt or check out archival audio from past broadcasts. Of course, we're also on Twitter at 3CR and Instagram at 3CR Melbourne. But don't forget our mighty AM band. Catch us anytime on 855 AM. Keep in touch, 3cr.org.au.
0: Okay, we've got Julia Stockett on the line from, say, Westernport. Just before we go to that, we played Fred Astaire with. Um, with Cheek to Cheek, and we played that because a couple of weeks ago we were in the studio, um, uh, we were doing a sound test, um, uh, meg, me, I think sort of guilty pleasure, admitted she loved Fred Astaire doing cheek to cheek, so I thought we'd expose her guilty pleasures today, and that's why we played it.
2: I'll tell Uh, tell anyone about my love for Fred Astaire, (laughs) (laughs) anyone anyone who will listen.
0: Radio. Um, Today, I think, uh, well, a lot of people don't often, but I think there's some love for Richard Wynne down at Westernport today as well, because yesterday he, of course, announced that the proposed Crib Point terminal by agl had been knocked back um we were hoping we were presuming it would based on what was happening at the inquiry but you can never trust these things but julia stockett um great result yesterday
5: yeah hi good morning how are you we are thrilled with the result we are just absolutely uh we are so grateful to the minister for making the right decision in this case and what a great outcome for western port bay Fantastic! Well done. Big
2: community campaign down there. Did you expect this result?
5: Um, I don't I, look. We we just weren't sure. It was such a. Um, it was. We knew that the evidence in the hearing had shown that the proposal was absolutely insane. The idea of pumping chlorine into the bay, which was part of the process of regasifying the gas that AGL wanted to import here. We knew that there were impacts from that, there were impacts from the pipeline, from having such a huge facility here and also all of the emissions and a new fossil fuels project as well. We knew that that was a bad project Mm -hmm. and the evidence in the hearing showed that. But as Kevin said, you can never trust these things. We just did not know what the outcome was. So it was really great to get that result yesterday. Fantastic.
1: Yeah. Congratulations. Mm. Um, yeah, it's amazing. I saw Environment Victoria's, um, media release on it and they were saying that it's the only the second project to be rejected through an EES process in the last 20 years. Um, so really impressive.
5: Yeah, well, we were, we were certainly up against it and, um, but, you know, you you can't think about those things. You have to go in believing that it is something that has to be done. If it's a bad project, you know, a lot of people said it's a done deal. You can't take on a company like AGL and win. And it's, it's so true. It is very difficult. And the EES process was really fraught. It was so... It was actually um, very... It, it put us all through a lot. But... Uh, look, it was a transparent process. It was, I think, it was well conducted. The hearing was well conducted, and um, yeah, look, it really showed. It was the opportunity for AGL to show why they should be able to do this, and they really couldn't do that because the operations and the the, the sort of processes that were um, being planned were just way too way too risky in a in an environment like this. But, you know, like, reading through the decision, um, we haven't read it all yet, obviously. It's a big big um, document. We haven't read it all. But... Um, well, I haven't. <laughs> um, I'm sure there are people who have. But um, looking at that, the, the main reasons that the Minister has given for the rejection of the proposal is because Western Port is a Ramsar wetland, which is, um, you know, world... a a world classification for significant wetlands um, to the survival of migratory birds. And so Mm -hmm. Western Port, there's only a few of those in Australia. Western Port Bay is one of those. And so the the fact that the bay has this um, international classification meant that um, these uh, impacts, the cumulative impacts of the chlorine and so forth were going to be too uh, sort of onerous, too overwhelming, too much for the bay and we totally agreed with that but then there was a lot of other evidence that um that we put together and had expert witnesses present on our behalf through um Environmental Justice Australia who represented us at the hearing they did a wonderful job by the way and Environment Victoria has um, and Victoria National Parks Association really came on board with save western port and our community down here to you know, support us through this process and take on the the giant company, AGL. So, um, but, yeah, it was really... Um, it, it was quite disturbing to see that only only the, uh, the ramps are... I mean, whatever reason, it's blocked. But they really threw out a lot of the evidence about uh, just the social impacts, the fact that, that AGL was going to take over a beach, basically put mm-hmm. a gas factory that would never be approved on land, a floating factory on our beach, um, that there would have been, you know, uh, noise pollution, 24-7 noise pollution, industrial noise pollution, light pollution, and just so many cumulative impacts. And they they would have all been passed. They would have all gotten through. if not for this advanced uh, classification. So mm. while we're really happy... To see that the um, environmental protection laws in Victoria, in this case, really came through and worked, and the right decision was made, it's very concerning that um, it's only really because of the Ramsar classification. Because there are so many incredibly important ecosystems and areas under threat in in worldwide across the world, but in, we know in Victoria there are a lot of um, projects and people um, going through other. which is an environmental effects statement, um, which is the highest, you know, review, environmental review for projects, new projects um, in the state. So, yeah, it's concerning to think that um, it is such a high barrier um, to reach. Mm. um, And, yeah... Yeah, it's a bit well, worry.
0: in fact, um, Zeb just mentioned that there were two in the last X number of years. I, yesterday, I was thinking about this, and I couldn't think of another one. I thought this is the first I can think of where an EES yeah. has actually come out against the project. Um, yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what the other one is, but because uh, we've been involved in many over years, and and even there were, when the City Link years ago, when we were opposing that, and there mm-hmm. was an inquiry into it, which could have which could have at least technically rejected it if we knew it wouldn't. Um, the government at the time was already giving out contracts and um, and starting works. You know, mm. well even while the inquiry was going on, and I think there was a bit of that in your case, wasn't there? AGL were doing some ground works, weren't they?
5: Yeah, there was there was land cleared um, by the port of Hastings. There's land cleared illegally um, for, to make way and prepare roll out the red carpet for AGL and um, Shire Council who. Have, were also brilliant and came on, right on board with the community. Um, they are actually taking uh, the port of Hastings to court next month about that um, mm-hmm. clearing of indigenous, you know, of uh, native vegetation. So it is very, um, it is very worrying to see that um, that yeah, people that that a lot of that's why people think a lot of the time that these are done deals because you know so often, well, it's all like that is the case. But um, yeah, look. Um, there are some great um, environmental um, reviewers, like the people that we were able to get as expert witnesses, but um, a lot of them end up working for companies like AGL Mm -hmm. because there isn't a lot of work um, out there, well, not well-paid work, Mm -hmm. you know, um, to advise on why we need to really look after and preserve our remnant bushland. And a lot of these people become very burned out and leave the industry because the only thing that they can do as scientists. And these are like really, you know, qualified scientists. The only work available to them, marine scientists and so forth, is, is working for these companies to try and get their projects approved. So there's a, very, um, there's a, there's a lot of things that, we, that, that sort of showed up through the ES process. Um, the difficulties of it, and the fact that even though the state government has, you know, a, a sustainability commissioner and a marine and coastal advisory council, and Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning, and all these experts working for them, none of them gave evidence mm. uh, to the government's hearing about whether the project uh, should go ahead, looking mm-hmm. at the impacts of coastal acid sulphate soils that might have been exposed from the pipeline or, you know, um, you know, uh, critically endangered species or coastal communities that would have been impacted. Um, it was really up to us. We had to fundraise, basically do, took grapples to raise money and we had some fantastic supporters, but it, um, we had to raise money to pay for our legal representation and we had to pay money to... For the uh, for the experts expert witnesses to give money it's sorry to give evidence to the um, to the the government's uh, advisory committee that um, oversaw the hearing so um, it's the, the idea that community groups that opposed to community groups to to um, be the one the only ones to take on um, a gov- uh, sorry corporations and to present the evidence Uh, looking critically at at corporate uh, industrial proposals to government inquiries is is, there's something really wrong with that picture. Mm -hmm. But saying that we did... did, um, The council, our Shire Council, did um, have their own uh, legal representation and had some very good witnesses as well. So in this case, we were lucky because the council... Voted to oppose the project, but that doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, without the council on side, I think you know it would have been a lot, a lot more difficult for us to show the the reasons why it shouldn't have gone ahead, why it sh- you know it should not go ahead. But Environment Victoria were brilliant, and this is what they do. And the combination of Environment Victoria's experience with this kind of thing, and then you know the community based Campaign down here in, on the Mornington Peninsula and Phillip Island and West Coast that Save Western Port has been involved in the combination of that and then the marine knowledge from Victoria National Parks Association it was a really a really incredible team so I'm just so grateful to to everyone who is involved because it's been three years of our lives now you know that we've put into this and a lot of meetings a lot of planning a lot of um, public meetings and you know, I mean, it's gone on for a long
0: time. So what an incredible result. We're Great so result. One real of real. the ironies, I suppose, was that with the government, and we had Pitt last week, the Federal, inv- federal Minister for Fossils, uh, again calling out for more gas and uh, the government pushing for a gas-led recovery that the Lo- Liberal Party, because you were local members, the Health Minister, uh, came out against it. So it was something of an irony there, I thought. Wasn't that
5: strange? So our, our, our local member is Greg Hunt. And he's opposed the project for a long time, um, and then the Liberal Party came out in opposition to it as well. So that was really something. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the, we just don't need a new gas gas project in Victoria, and that's what the um, that's what the minister found as well. Is that there? You know, there are other ways to get gas, and as Vic, Environment Victoria. Um, they, you know, said all the way through, and, and had some really important evidence at the hearing to show that uh, gas demand is dropping, and the alternatives that are available now and will be available within the years that it would have taken to get this project up and running to that stage. Then, um, you know, the sort of things that the government did last year in the budget, state government, replacing gas heaters and that sort of thing. I mean, we just don't need gas anymore. They've, there are sustainable options and it's really good to see that, um, well, this decision really points the way with that even more clearly. And AGL is in all sorts of trouble. I mean, they have um, saddled with all these, you know, power station, coal-fired power stations down. Yesterday, it just happened to be that they were having their big emergency um, meeting with all their, you know, major shareholders because they had $2 billion losses that they had to write down last year and um they've now come out and said that they're going to low offload their their um they're going to split AGL into two companies and um one of them's going to be in control of the dirty fossil fuel sides and the other one's going to be all Green and new, and mm. it's actually called new A g l but the old like, company um i suppose that's so that that um cause nobody would invest in a fossil fuels company, so I guess that's so that um who knows, but mm. it's probably so that when they get um settled with the clean up of all the um mm. remediation of the fossil of the coal power stations they can um they can have the the one side of the company will take. The hit for that, and the whole thing won't go under, so mm. they're pretty shrewd, I think, yeah, very shrewd, very much so
2: and uh, social, social license is such a big part of it, and it looks bad for a company to be doing work like um you know that like they're proposing like they were proposing here, um That's so just, it makes yeah. sense for them to make a different company there, doesn't it
5: that does we we couldn't understand it actually, but the a was saying you know the the biggest thing to them is social license mm. you know. That they want to be a good, you know, member of the communities in which they operate, and yet this project had so much corporate risk involved. Mm. You know, the, the community had rejected it outright, and I don't think people down here are, you know, against industry per se, but you know, it has to be the right, has to be the right project, not uh, new fossil fuel projects. It's just not. People's expectations have changed a lot. People mm. are a lot better informed. And I think that's only
0: going to change, too, yeah. Mm-hmm. To, to what degree did the indigenous, local Indigenous Peoples' cam, campaign, which is also opposed, a, a obviously, um, play in the thing, do you think?
5: Well, they, their evidence was very powerful. It was very strong, um, their point of view, that, that they did not want this project to go ahead. The pipeline would have gone through um, Unurrung country and they did not give permission for that. So the... Uh, Boonwurrung Land Council had um, their witnesses and their representation. Um, look, I don't know that that was a big part of Minister Wynne's decision, but it possibly... You know, like, who's to say? I, he has—he certainly hasn't mentioned it, and as I said, I haven't read the full report yet, so uh, that will be an interesting, you know, thing to see if that was taken on board. I think it also would have been reviewed if this would have been approved at state level still had to get an approval at the federal level and I think that might have been where that came into play a little bit more, where the, I'm not sure about this and I'm, you know, I certainly don't want to speak on behalf of the Boon because they can do that for themselves, of course, they have their voice and I think that's the best way to, to, um, for that to be, but, but, um, yeah, they were, they were a pretty, um, formidable, um, force in opposition to this project mm-hmm. and they their voice, um, let's hope it was taken into account.
2: Mm. Mm. What's the role of the minister in this process? I'm a little bit, I'm I'm not sure of the details, but it sounds like it went to this, uh, you know, um, tribunal sort of situation. And then is the minister the final decision maker or?
5: Yeah, it's it's actually, um, the amount of discretion that that Mm. the planning minister has in environmental Effect statements, which is the, is the which is the only environmental review in Victoria, the main one. Mm. Um, it's incredible. He he ultimately has full discretion. So mm. um, we went through this really, um, you know, very taxing ten week hearing last year, and there was an in- inquiry advisory uh, committee. So that was a five member panel, a planning panel, um, that oversaw that hearing and they heard from, you know, uh, lots of witnesses from the proponent, AGL, uh, from the Port of Hastings, who was saying, "This is we're open for business and we want to see growth, growth, growth and all of that. You know, there's no limit to how much shipping we could have in the bay. That was really their angle and they really had no, it, it was proven at the hearing, actually evidence came out that they have no oil spill mis- uh, management response plan in effect here there is no uh, tugboat pilot on duty full-time here, so that if there was ever an emergency, a freak weather event mm-hmm. or, um, you know, some other thing that happened with a, with existing shipping, that it would be four hours before a tugboat could get here in emergency. Mm. So um, the fact that uh, the Port of Hastings, uh, you know, I mean, the Western Port is not actually a port. It's an it's a ancient sunken estuary it's a river system which has incredible diversity of flow depth and the tidal um the tidal function in it is incredible with phillip island in the middle so it's got all these really different uh temperatures and um depth so it's got this huge diversity of marine life which is really replicated nowhere else very few places in the world are like this. So um, it has a lot of mangrove beds and seagrass beds, which in other places have all been destroyed because of uh, in ports and shallow uh, accessible ports. They usually get um, concreted over or uh, seagrass is very um, susceptible to, um, you know, like when the water clarity is lost, it's a photosynthesizing plant. So it can't live in the... In the it has to have clear water and... And in turn, it, it clarifies the water. So it's a really important component and it forms the basis to the whole marine life. So it's a nursery for fisheries. And, you know, we have humpback whales and, and um, that migrate through Western port. We have resident dolphin pods and resident um, seals, so the penguins. So all of those things rely on the seagrass. So that's why it's so important that if there is port activity and shipping that it is done with absolute care because when you get water turbidity, it just affects those things. I'm not saying you can't have the two things coexisting, but I think it has to be done so carefully and they have to have absolute best practice to do with bilge, the way they handle bilge, and so that makes sure that um, marine pests are not being introduced. And the reason why Western Port has such incredible marine diversity is because it's never had... Uh, marine pest introduction, mm. uh, uh, you know, outbreak, which West, uh, sorry, Port Phillip Bay has had with the wood chipping tankers that used to come in from Japan um, in the 90s and, and uh, 80s. Mm. And they brought in uh, a, a sea star, which has just decimated the fisheries in Port Phillip Bay. Now, Western Port has never had that, and we don't want to have it. We want to keep out these marine pets which can just, you know it's one of the main threats to an ecosystem like like this. So these are the impacts or these can be the impacts of commercial shipping.
3: Mm.
5: And um I mean it's called Western Port Bay, but actually when I think it was Bass um and Matthew Flinders came down the coast from Sydney Cove way back in the early days, they came down in wooden whaling boats, came around um, Marimbula there, around the coast of Victoria. And Westernport was the furthest west that they had travelled. It was an inlet, you know, a protected bay. And so um, it's actually... Westernport is east of Melbourne, but it's called Westernport because they were coming in the direction of from Sydney around the coastline. So... Um, to call it a port is kind of, it means it's got a shipping channel, has got one deep area that comes through the centre, but that has to be dredged quite regularly to keep it to that um, mm. open for for shipping. So, mm. um, yeah, we don't want to see the port expanded. We want to see, uh, you know, the tourism, the eco-tourism, the kind of activities that people love Western Port for. It's on Melbourne's doorstep, it's such a beautiful Natural environment and uh, people who come down here just love it, and Mm. we want to see it stay that way. So, we've only um, got a couple of minutes. I think
0: you're answering the question, we've only got a couple of minutes left, Julia. But, um, do you have plans to to make sure that this sort of encroachment can't occur again? That it is is used for the sort of recreational and environmental concerns you're talking about?
5: Yeah, we'd love to see it. Um, it has three marine national parks in Western Port already. We'd like to see that um, sort of joined up so that it has that um, national park protection, um, you know, in perpetuity. Mm. Um, Minister Wynne has actually said that the Bass Coastline on the other side of the bay from Western Port... Sorry, from Mornington Peninsula has a 50-year planning uh, protection over it, or we'll have They're developing it now with the um, consulting with the Bunarong and and... Um, and the residents of the area. So, um, yeah, it's... it's, um, it's in, We... we uh, Save Western Port definitely have, as an ongoing uh, concern will be, to see that Western Port is protected. Um, you know, the original Save Western Port was set up, the group was set up in the early 1970s, and the idea was, you know, to see that they were actually fighting a a nuclear power plant that was proposed on French Island. So since then, mm. there have been container port projects, um, you know, Euro, um, you know, um, just a whole lot of really inappropriate um, projects, one after the other. And we'd really like to see that stop so that every few years the community isn't mm. called to... Uh, have to fight off these terrible industrial projects, which never get off the board anyway. And then, I mean, AGL paid, spent $120 million dollars Trying to get this project up. I mean, just think of all the things that could have been done with that Incredible. amount of money.
2: A huge achievement for your community, and that you mentioned that the hearing was ten weeks. That's just thinking about the burden of that on, on everybody who's volunteering their time is is enormous. So, you've had a great achievement. We'll have to finish up there, Julia. Unfortunately, with um, your uh, listeners, you're on, listening to City Limits on three CR, and we've been speaking with Julia from the Western Port Bay Save Western Port Bay campaign.
0: Yeah, okay, Julia, thanks so much, and um, and uh, again, congratulations. It's great, great from this program to be able to celebrate a community victory over, over bureaucracy and over big capital, so you're um, well done. Yeah, so you can
3: go to
5: yeah. org for more information.
3: Fantastic. Oh, yeah.
0: thanks, Julia. thanks, Julia. You mentioned yeah. it for three years, so you're pretty tiring for you, but the yeah. victory's there. It's great. It's worth it,
5: definitely worth it. <laughs>
0: okay. Thank you. Thanks, Julia. Julia Stockett, yeah. Okay next week uh how, next week no transport John McPherson so um we'll be talking transport next week
2: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of Independent Community Radio Station 3CR in Melbourne Australia For more information go to Org. crorgau